Okay, a little exercise in the beginning of our service, and that is to think about the new year coming up. Uh, we have a New Year's Eve service here Sunday night, uh, starting at 8 o'clock. By the way, we need a nursery worker, I think, right? right? We need one nursery worker. So uh, if you want to run to the nursery, then thank you for that. That's a big thing, isn't it? You're here in the service, and you leave to go to the nursery. Wow. Man. You end up, you, you will go to heaven if you do. That's like huge. Okay. Okay, so uh, we have New Year's Eve, and, and in, in the tradition we have in Greater Grace is that we, those that can, we go into the new year on our knees so we'll have uh, 8 to 10 o'clock, or yeah, 8 to 10 maybe, uh, here, and then, then go to eat some food in the family center uh, for 40, an hour, hour and a half, something, come back here, uh, 11, four, uh, 15, and then um, we'll, we'll sing, we'll have prayer, and then we'll have the countdown, and we'll enter the new year uh, that way. And you are welcome. You are welcome. But this is a warm-up, a warm-up. If you think of the year coming, your, your, the year coming up, then what, what do you think, what, what would be the target if you got to think dark now, you got to think dark, if... You have a relationship with God, and that's very satisfying to you, and you live with God and walk with God. What would be the devil's target for you for this year? How could he get you? How could, what would the devil, what is it that he'd like to take from you? Or what is it that the devil would like to do to cut you off from God? What is that? What would that be? You know, what's the essential? You boil down things, the troubles, the temptations and everything. What's the primary thing that you have that the devil would like to take away from you? Well, what's the primary thing? What's that element that you have in your heart and in your life that's, that's making your life work with God? The relationship with God. So we'll tell you, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but why don't you talk to each other about it for a minute? Uh, what, what could happen this coming year that would, uh, that would re- ruin your relationship with God? Is that a good question? I think by the buzz, the sound in the room, you're you're like, I think somebody wants to come up and preach the message. <laughs> you know, let me take let me take over. I've got the message. Okay, here here's a small sketch, very simple. We'll we'll turn to Luke twenty two, in verses thirty one and thirty two. Luke twenty-two, thirty-one, 
32. Now Simon, Simon, this is Peter, he's all, he was renamed by, by Jesus, Peter. His name was Simon, but Jesus called him Peter. Isn't that beautiful? That you have a new name, you have your old man, you have a new man, you, you, you have been regenerated, you have the spirit, you have the heart of God. Wow. Do we have the heart of God? How about that song, The Heart of David, is it? My heart, sorry, I can't sing. Okay, let's go to the verse. 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. So we got to go slow here, okay? If, if the real, if it's really true that you have God and we have Satan, and they are, they are opposed to each other in nature, and that this is God and his work on the earth with Peter, Jesus and Peter, and Jesus has brought God to Peter, and Peter has a relationship with God, through Christ, okay, so here's the relationship. What's the number one thing that Satan wants to do with Peter? He, he would like to cut this relationship off. That's basically it. He wants, he wants, it, he wants it over. He doesn't want Peter walking with God, and, and he doesn't want us do what we do. Walk with God. He doesn't want that. So, did a light just flash? <laughs> okay. Um, the, the second thing here, look at verse 31. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, when, when I think of sifting, I... I um, I think of, you know, they, they get the kernel from the uh, chaff. They separate the protein from the throwaway parts. And that they beat it in the ancient world. They would put it on a, put it somewhere where they can keep it contained and beat it. Beat it with a, a, a broom kind of instrument or um, pound on it. Uh, I also think of a sieve where you are going back and forth and there's a lot of movement back and forth. I think of Satan wanting to do that to us, like shift, shift, moving us back and forth, up and down, and for this world that we live in to be that way, to, to really knock us around. To really beat on us, to really, really uh, uh, shake us, and this is the thing he targeted. Is, is verse thirty-two? He says, "But I have prayed for you that your faith fails not." So I want to put here the word faith because this is really the answer to my question. This year, what's the primary target? Regarding your life, it is that your faith would fail. 
That's the primary thing because that's the thing that God loves about us. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But the thing that God loves about you and I, this is amazing. Listen to this part. This is great. The thing he loves about us is our faith. That, that we fall down, but we get up. That, that um, we're confused, but we, we continue to believe. That we don't know what to do, but we end up, we end up doing something by faith. The right thing by faith. We end up doing the right thing by faith. And you know that Peter's faith, there's a question in my mind. When Satan had Peter deny the Lord, did Peter's faith fail? We would say there's two parts, I think. One is, if he had faith, he wouldn't have denied him. Right? He would say, Yes, I am one of his disciples. Yes, I am from Galilee. Yes, he is my rabbi. Yes, I am committed to him. Yes, I'm part of his group. Yes, I'm with him. But Peter didn't do that. He denied him three times. But here's a question. Did his faith fail? You would say, of course it did. And I would say, no. I think Peter went out and wept. And he wept, and he was heartbroken, and he realized what he had done. But then within, what, hours or within a day, what did Peter do? I'll tell you, if your faith fails, you know what you do? You, you leave. You leave. You, you know, I failed. I'm out of here. I never want to see those guys again. I'm never coming around here anymore. I'm gone. I'm halfway to Galilee. I'm out of here. But the story doesn't read that way. Where do you read? Where do you read in the scripture what Peter did after he wept? He went out and he wept. And then what happened? We see him with John. He's with John. You know, he's with John. Isn't that amazing? How do we know that? Because when the word came from the ladies um, that the tomb is empty, it says that John and Peter run to the tomb, and Peter is older, et cetera, whatever the reasons. John is quick, and he's fast, and he's young. And he goes there first, and John waits for Peter, who's kind of plodding along and coming and looks in and goes in. Why was Peter showing up? Because he had faith. Why was Peter hooking up with John? Because I denied him, but it's not over. Jesus has prayed for Peter. He prayed for Peter that when he, you see, Satan wants to destroy your faith. He wants not only for you to fail, but you for you to disappear. He wants not only you deny the Lord three times, but you leave the whole thing, and it's over. And I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not even near there. I'm not going. That's what Satan does. You see that? Something to think about. What if we said tonight that God's love is so great...
for us, that it captures us, and the faith works by love. Galatians 5, or is it, is it chapter 4? Faith, verse 5, faith works by love. Where will I go? It's kind of even after he denied him, he made the biggest blunder in history, maybe, or something like that. I mean, he made him huge. He, he messed up big time. But where will I go? I'll go to the God that loves me. He will restore me. I'll go to the God who speaks to me. I'll go to the God that cares about me. The God that knows me. The God that loves me. I'll go to the God that will never fail me. I'll go to God. That's so. That's why we have these New Year services and years that go by, clicking by, and here we are, believing. And I'm, let me repeat it again. It's beautiful. God loves our faith. He loves it that we believe. We believe him. So how can that relationship be broken? Remove our faith. Now watch a couple of things. He whispers in your ear, the devil whispers in your ear. He says many things to us in different ways. Peter, you're unworthy. Peter, you failed. Peter, go kill yourself. It's over. Don't go back there. Those people will not receive you. Those people will not accept you. You're not in that group anymore. You're out of that group. It's over. You don't have anything. You have nothing. Or you have everything. Peter, you had a whole life to live without God. Go live your whole life. Well, you don't need God. Why do you need God? It doesn't mean anything. You don't need God. What are these lies? They are all designed to keep us away from God. The only one that really makes a difference in life. The only one that actually, actually, when we finish our lives, the only thing we really have is God. The only thing that we can say in life that had any lasting value was whatever we did by faith. That remains our faith. And by the way, the devil knows that the victory over him is our faith. The victory over the world is our faith. And the things that reveal God is our faith. I mean, the trigger for God being manifested is our faith. That we do many things by faith. If you were to kind of do a review on your own life, your biography, I wonder how many things you would be able to say, I did that because of faith. I didn't understand the Bible at all, but I just kept reading it by faith. I didn't know about my future. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. But I went, I followed, I believed, I embraced it. I lived by faith. You know, um, in our neighborhood, we give out cookies for Christmas. And one of our neighbors, he's 93 years old, and he opened his heart up to me the other day. And 
and it was so touching because he's an elderly man and his wife, and they live alone there. And um, and and he he said, my my wife is religious, but I'm spiritual. And I said, yeah, what, tell me what that means. He goes, well, I'm not really religious, my wife is, but she's Catholic and religious person. But I'm more, I'm more like, he just said spiritual. And then he said, the thing that hurt me the most in my life was my nine-year-old son died of viral pneumonia in 1970. I think he said and he said the pain is many years ago the pain has never left me you know but but in our in our fellowship I could see he goes but I believe God but I believe God but I have the pain but I believe because he said my little boy and I we did everything together he was the last one in our family, and we did everything together. And I had touched my heart. You know, what about your life? Did you overcome something just because of faith? Did you overcome something, disappointment or pain or loss? Perhaps. I think sometimes these attacks from the devil come early in the Christian life. I think sometimes people, it happens early, sometimes later, and sometimes at the end of our life. These things that happen to us with the whispering and targeting us to remove us from God. Remember Satan speaking to God about Job. I can do that. I can take him away from you. I can do that. And the Lord said, go ahead, try. And I think we could say, I don't know the answer, but I just believe our new heart, our new heart. You know, another point, and I'll finish with this. Another point is, it says in Hebrews 8, that God will write on our heart. He will write on our heart his law, on our heart. We have a moral law, but I think we have another one here. This is, a, this is something where you know in your heart when something's wrong, and you bring it to God. You know in your heart. You pay attention to it. Self-examination, self-review. Like, okay, Lord, not myself, but the Lord, put me through your x-ray mission. See if there is any evil way in me. See if I am deceiving myself. See if I am wrong. Go ahead. Here I am. I want, I want you to speak to me. And then I will obey you or follow you by faith. I will do it by faith. That's how, you do. That's how I stopped smoking marijuana. I stopped by faith. wasn't any, uh, any other way to do it. There was no way. It was God. God, take this away from me. Take this away from me. And it happened by faith. How about making a big decision with a girl or a guy? What about making a big decision in relationships? Is God in it? 
Is God in, in it? Is it godly? Is it from God? Is God in it? It's like, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. It's like, okay, that's, that's between you and God. That's your business, not mine. But the truth of it is we have to make decisions many times in life by faith. We can be wrong, but we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can to look at the Scripture and find out his will and do his will, and that he would put it in our hearts and write it in our hearts. Yeah, so uh, that's it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this meditation tonight. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Yes, Lord. Lord, we believe the year 2024 can be filled with fruitfulness and blessing because we will live by faith in you and trust you. You will help us, lead us, and protect us and guide us and teach us because you are such a gracious God, loving God. Yes, Lord, and when our faith fails, it will you just amen. Let me just say this one last thing. We have a fireplace at home and the fire is going out. You know there's a little coal there. So I get down on my knees and you know. But I have to be careful I don't blow it out. It's so weak, right? The coal is so weak or the fire is so weak and then just gently you know get some oxygen in there and get it back, and get it back. Peter's faith was so weak, but did it fail? I don't think so. I think he couldn't leave Jesus. I think he had to, he had to go to be with John. And by the way, when you get in trouble, have somebody to go to. Go to, go to somebody that will help you. And we'll do like one of these, like, have a friend. Have somebody that will help your heart and touch your heart and help you and restore you in faith. Because it will bring you to God. Because God is not against you. He does not quench the smoking flax. He is not against you. He is for you. He's against Satan, who is against you. Okay, amen. Welcome, uh, Jesse. Good evening. I've told this story before, but when my dad first started to respond to the gospel, which was such a miracle, um, he would go and hear uh, Pastor Stephen speak. But the message was really, it was a, a, such a spiritual message, but he wasn't really getting it at that stage. Uh, but one thing that he did understand was God's love through the body. And he would write me letters when I was in the Peace Corps and... Uh, 
about the love in this church that he found. And actually, the church that he found was my church that I told him about before he told me to shut up and not talk about it anymore. So God works in strange ways, but it was the love of the body that penetrated his heart and that made him really, and it gave him um, really an addiction to be with the body, to drive to Framingham after work. He was a fireman. He'd finish his shift, and he would go to Framingham from Chelmsford. And he would do that. He did that for a long time. And God touched his heart, changed his heart, and uh, really turned him into another person, as he has done with all of us. So that was, uh, maybe that wasn't you personally, but that was you, because it was the same family, the family of God. Isn't that great? So... How many know Pastor Jim Hadley? Where is he? He, you know, he's he's my friend. It's really, it's really cool to have brothers. I we have six brothers, but but um, and he and I are chaplains with the Baltimore Police, and um, we really have a good time. So if this was the uh, the Northeast District or the Southeast District. So you would all be the police officers, okay? So we're in the big room. And uh, roll call. This is roll call. Take those, take those covers off. That's your hat. Um, and then you would, you know, kind of go over what's going on in the district. And, uh, you know, th- this is happening and that's happening and so on. Keep an eye on this and keep an eye on that. And um, that's really cool because then the, the sergeant, it's called 09, whoever 09 is that night in charge, then they would, as it usually goes, they call Jim and, and me up to address the officers. And we let them have it really good. <laughs> and... Um, it's just really sweet because, uh, we, you know, we have the floor, and we get to share what God puts on our heart. And uh, I just got to say, Pastor Jim, my brother Jim's always got the um, something very precious to say to them. You know, you got you to gotta act tough and look tough. But we know what really goes on in the heart because then we get to ride with them one-on-one in the car. And then we get to see who they really are. You know what I mean? So let's have a prayer. Lord, we pray you would just edify your body. We worship you. Father, thank you that the, the smoking flax, the little smoking wick, the little red glow at the, on the wick, You will not snuff it out, but you will just revive it with the breath of your mouth. You will bring it to full flame. The broken reed you will not crack and throw away because that's who you are. 
So we worship you today. Now, just for these minutes, um, just speak to us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know my wife's not feeling well, Nancy's not feeling well, but she's watching. And I know when I walked up here, I'll tell you, her, I'll tell you what she said to herself. Oh, no, Pastor Shell is not preaching. <laughs> I'll catch it when I get home, but I'm telling you. Okay. So what is it like for God to have a bad day? And in Ezekiel chapter 8, is God having, we could say, a bad day? Because the people are saying God does not see. This was their mantra. God does not see. And so we have these series of things that Ezekiel saw by vision as the he was taken by the hair in this vision from Babylon and taken to Jerusalem to the temple. And then the things that are going on in the temple uh, are grievous to God's heart. And I can just imagine him thinking, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And the first one is there's a, a statue outside in the courtyard of the temple, and they're openly, publicly worshiping this idol in the house of God. And God's heart is, is broken. And then he says, Son of man, if you think that's bad, let me show you something else. And he takes him to this says, dig into the, it's called, that's where the saying, a hole in the wall came from. Because there's a hole in the wall, he says, son of man, dig. And he digs and he sees these 250 men inside with their censers. And they are worshiping idols in the dark. And he says, son of man, you think that's bad? I'll show you something else. And he takes him to another part of the temple, and these women are crying over Tammuz, a false god. And then forth, he said, son of man, you think that's bad? Let me show you something else. And there are 70 men in the center of the temple facing the east, though they couldn't see the sun, they're worshiping the sun. And so... So what does God do? This is the house of God. And God hates sin. Does God hate sin? Does God hate my sin? Does God hate your sin? Does God hate our sin? And God is altogether holy. And he's making us holy. And we are in a process of sanctification. So if you're God, what do you do? And the people are saying, we're safe. What can happen to us? What can the Babylonians do? Because God is in the house. And so they were right. But God decided to pack his suitcase. And he left the temple. And he left very slowly. 
and his presence went up from the Holy of Holies, and then it went to the threshold, then it went outside to the gate, then it went slowly, came up and went to the Mount of Olives. And then you know where God went? He went to where the captives were in Babylon. He calls it the little sanctuary. And he says, I'm going with them. I'm going with the captives. And he did. And so you can read the story. It's, it's very sad. But in the midst, this is what he said. He said in verse uh, chapter 11, in verse 16, I think it's 16 because I can't see the, the little numbers. And so this is, this is the heart of God because really through each one of these terrible vignettes that we see in Ezekiel 8, underlying everything is where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And sin is always abounding because every time someone else is born into the world, sin abounds more. Because we have all sinned, and we all die. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Much more abound. So he says in verse, uh, wherever I'm reading, and I will give them, I will give them, because this is what they did not have. And this is what God has given to us, because this is the new covenant And we are partakers of the new covenant. And it says, and I will give them one heart, meaning not a divided heart, but a single heart, a focused heart, a heart that's all in, like 100%. And he says, and a new spirit. I will put within them. This is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. What do you think about having the Holy Spirit of God inside of us? Do you ever sense him? Does he ever direct your steps? Nancy and I were uh, doing our mall walk the other day. And you know how sometimes we can get maybe a little strange about things. But we walked by this couple and... You know what I mean. You know that little sense you get? I said, Nancy, we, we got to go talk to them. She goes, okay. So I went back, and, and uh, can I ask you a question? Sure. I, I don't remember what I said, but something like, um, you know, what, what do you think about Jesus? And, man, this woman, this woman just took off. And then she, she, and I said, uh, she said, I, I have this long list of things I've asked from, for God, from God. And he answered, and it was like three quarters of the long list he answered. And so I said, well, how about this? How about if we ask God to give us a list of what he wants? She said, oh, I already did that. <laughs> and she pulls out her journal and opens to a page and starts reading all the things that she wrote down, and, how, and it just went on from there. And I said to her, I'm just going to be quiet and listen to you. And so 
That's how it went. It was just one of those things. The Holy Spirit does that, doesn't he? And so that was, we just continued our walk. But we had like a springier step after that. It was so sweet and wonderful. We're just like thinking, God, you, are, you, you care about people. You know everybody. You are so wonderful. And we have the new covenant because his spirit is within us. And I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we think it's returned, don't we? You ever have a day where your stony heart is back? Or am I the only one? And so then I got to go into that little room and say, God, I'm just back again. I need some help. Lord, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Pour in the love by your spirit because I need it bad. And then by faith, we just take it from there, don't we? It's beautiful. And while we do it, we think, oh, God's not hearing you. Oh, but he is hearing. And it's beautiful. And he says, and give them a heart of flesh. Not the bad flesh, but the flesh of tenderness, the flesh of sensitivity, uh, that heart that hears the Spirit of God and is touched by the infirmities of other people, especially hurting people. The world needs us. The world needs us to care. The world needs us to go. The world needs us to have a word in season. We, if not us, who, who's going to do it? We are the body of Christ and members in particular. And then finally, it says that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And this is what the people caught up in their sins in the temple did not have. They did not have the Spirit of God. They did not have the tender heart. They said in their hearts, God does not see. And then they did what they wanted. And God said, I can't be here. I'm moving on. Isn't that amazing? But let me just read the last verse of this book. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 48, and he says this. So this is, uh, this is the future, and this is a new temple, the millennial temple, that obviously is, has not been built yet. But the very last word is the name of this city, and the name of the city here is not Jerusalem. The name of this city is the Lord is there. That's the name of the city, the Lord is there. That's it. That's it. What's the name of the city? The Lord is there. That's all I need to know. The Lord is there, and the Lord is here, and we are his people, and we are precious to him. So, God, pour it on, we pray. We're desperate for you. We want to do your will, and thank you. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are there, you are here. You are with us, for us, and in us. And if you're here, or you're listening, and, and you're just saying, I, really, what he's talking about is very interesting, but I don't have that, and I want that. And you just pray right now and say, Lord, I want you. I want forgiveness. 
I want new life. I'm asking Jesus to save me. Lord, I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. I want you to live in me. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.